0: This is Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. Reports of hate crimes are on the rise in Colorado. The message that's really being sent is you're not welcome here. You're not in this community. You're not valued the same way as someone else might be. But the reality is many of these incidents still go unreported. Today, we have a Real Talk about why with some Coloradans who advocate for acceptance and peace and share how you can help those most impacted. Welcome to Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. I'm Colorado Public Radio's Nathan Haffel.
1: And I'm Denver 7's Micah Smith. Each week in a partnership between Denver 7 and CPR, we'll be having a Real Talk about issues impacting underrepresented people across Colorado.
0: This week, we're talking about hate crimes in Colorado.
1: According to the FBI's annual hate crime report, there were 317 hate crimes reported in Colorado in 2022. That number is up 14% compared to the year before. It's also the highest number the FBI has seen since they started tracking that data 32 years ago. Hate crimes fall into several categories, including race, sexual orientation, religion, and gender identity.
0: In all of those categories, crimes in Colorado increased. And those numbers are alarming, especially for those in minority groups. First, let's dive into what's being done to try to address this rise in hate crimes.
1: Joining us now is Scott Levin, the Regional Director of the Anti-Defamation League Mountain States Region. Thank you so much for joining us today, Scott. It's
0: my pleasure,
2: thank you for having me.
1: Well, talk to us a little bit about your organization and what you do.
2: Sure, the Anti-Defamation League, or ADL, has been around for quite a while. We started in this country in 1913, but we've had a regional office in Denver, Colorado, since 1941. Mm -hmm. Throughout that entire time, we've had the same mission, which is to both stop anti-Semitism, but also to secure justice and fair treatment to all. We recognize that if we're gonna make the world better for any one of us, we need to make it better for all of us, so we have any number of programs from educational programs in schools like No Place for Hate, an anti-bias and anti-bullying program, to actually training law enforcement on how to recognize and enforce hate crimes laws that are out there. So it's the full panoply, a broad strategy to try to
0: combat not just anti-Semitism, but also hate of all kinds. Now, this report says a record number of hate crimes in Colorado were recorded. What's your latest reaction to this report from the FBI? Because it seems every year is a record number of hate crimes reported in Colorado. Unfortunately, it's not surprising, Nathan, because
2: hate crimes, as you indicated, have gone up. I think that what we're seeing in this country, the animosity the way people are acting towards each other, all of this translates into very real and very dangerous activities that become hate crimes. I think it's important to point out that hate crimes, as that term is used in Colorado, it's a bias-motivated crime. In other words, I might want to uh, attack you or hit you because I don't like you, that doesn't matter, or I wanna steal something for you, that, that probably is not gonna be a hate crime. But if I'm doing it because of your identity, because of your race, your religion, your sexual orientation or identity. If I'm doing that, then it becomes what we now call a hate crime.
1: Yeah, through those statistics, one thing we didn't do is break down the hate crimes group by group. Have you noticed an increase in hate crimes against a certain group here recently?
2: Yeah, certainly what the FBI hate crimes reveal is as historically as true, that most of the hate crimes are based on a person's race. And so, and unfortunately, black people have suffered that the worst uh, by large measure. After that, in Colorado, it's sexual orientation and identity that have been the next area. And then that's followed by
0: religion, with Jewish people being over 50% of those hate crimes. Yeah. Are, are we seeing, uh, I know friends of mine who are Jewish who are feeling very um, triggered right now because of what's happening across the world and how that is so scary to them sure can we talk a little bit about that and how yes uh, religion may be the third but it seems to me in today's climate that that may be changing
2: yeah it may very well be we've these numbers that come from the fbi are numbers that they finally report out for 2022 there's always trails about 10 months for them to pull the data from across the country that's there so irrespective of what might be happening as we're filming this today talking about israel and the issue with Gaza that's going on right now, hate crimes against Jewish people have always been at high levels and Mm. we've seen them going up and up. The trend has been terrible since we at the ADL have been collecting that data. What's going on today is very triggering I think for lots of communities including the Jewish community that's there, uh, especially the terrorism that took place on October 7th and what occurred from that. But then also the response which very quickly has moved as the news cycle has moved away from what is just the most barbaric horrific forms of terrorism that took place to what's a really truly uh, a humanitarian concern for everybody that's out there and we have lots of communities including the Jewish community that's in pain and currently I can see from what I know in our office and across the country ADL has seen a 400 percent increase in hateful incidents that have happened just in these past several weeks since October 7. Mm-hmm.
1: Scott, I want to get a little personal here. Have you been the target of a hate crime or anybody you know close to you? Yeah, in
2: in my professionally, I'm probably the recipient of a number of hate crimes and the things that people say and do because I'm a visible person in the Jewish community that's out there, but none such that I've ever felt really concerned for my safety until about a month and a half ago when calls were being made by someone across the country uh, calling out SWAT teams to Jewish institutions, synagogues, other organizations, and ours. Someone reported that there had been a shooter in our office and the Denver Police Department thankfully came out to our office, but uh, I'm a person that's around a lot of law enforcement. I see people with guns and tasers on their hips, but it's very uh, challenging when you see someone come in with an automatic weapon strapped across their chest. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, there was no issue. So, yes, we've, I've been a target of a hate crime. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We only have about 30 seconds left, but what does your group do and what can be done at the community level to support groups that have been targeted?
2: Yeah, I think that people need to reach out to their allies and be friends, speak out against hate, and we need to continue to train law enforcement. Uh, one thing we advocate for is a, a hotline that can be set
0: up For hate crimes so there's any number of things that if people are willing we can do. Scott Levin is the regional director of the Anti-Defamation League Mountain States region. Coming up next, hundreds of hate crimes were reported in Colorado last year but far too many go unreported. Why is that and what can be done? Stay with us this is Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. Welcome back to Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. I'm Colorado Public Radio's Nathan Heffel.
1: And I'm Denver 7's Micah Smith. This week, we're having a Real Talk about hate crimes. The number of these incidents that get reported is on the rise, and the reality is many victims suffer in silence.
0: Yeah, a study released last year by Hate Free Colorado found that most hate crimes in Colorado go unreported. The study estimates that well over a million Coloradans were targets of verbal harassment, property damage or physical injury within the last five years.
1: As for those who took this particular survey, 61% said the crime they experienced was due to race, ethnicity, or ancestry. In fact, members of racial and ethnic minority groups are up to two times more likely to have experienced a hate crime than white Coloradans. Still, out of all those people and all those incidents, only 18% reported the incident to police. So for more on this,
0: we want to welcome Dilpreet Jammu of the Colorado Sikhs organization. Thank you for joining us, Dilpreet. Thank
3: you very much for inviting me.
0: I want to start by talking about you and your community. Mm-hmm. Uh, first off, what's something you'd like others to know about Sikhism?
3: Uh, you know, we, uh, uh, we are a, uh, very much an outgoing type of a community. Uh, we are well, well identified through our turban and uh, beard, especially those who are practicing uh, fully in terms of the sick faith itself uh, we are monotheistic and uh, very much uh, we believe in being engaged with our community as a whole so all around a good party bunch how's that <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> i understand that a tragedy led to the formation of your organization would you mind sharing some details yes about
3: that? so uh, yes so back in about uh, 2012 uh, uh, in oakville uh, wisconsin there was a major attack a white supremacist attacked one of our houses of worship, which is known as a Gurdwara. And uh, we uh, looked at that as a community and a a number of uh, thought leaders we got together and realized we needed to create an organization that would do a number of things, really uh, outreach, uh, education, engagement, and then of course serving the community as a whole because uh, that save our service is a big part of who we are as members of the Sikh community. So that's how Colorado Six was
0: born. Yeah, and I do understand even in Lakewood, uh, not too long ago, there was an incident uh, with a member of your community as well, right?
3: Yes, there was, and and unfortunately, uh, that is still a work in progress, for lack of a better way to put it. Uh, And uh, recently, we just had another attack Mm. uh, this year, which uh, we are now working our way through that. And uh, yeah, it is an unfortunate fact that uh, because we are easily identified sometimes we are uh, attacked or both verbally uh, and physically as well
1: we just talked about how most hate crimes go unreported to police why do you think that is
3: I you know uh, this is a little bit of a heavy topic so I'm just gonna tackle it Mm head-on one of the challenges is much of our community uh, comes from India and uh, as you may know though India has advanced greatly in terms of economic status. In in many ways, to be honest, it's still very much a third world country. And so in third world countries, there's a greater degree of government corruption and uh, police corruption. And so what happens is when members of our community come here, uh, they are not as open to communicating because uh, we are much more a first world country with challenges as everybody knows. But the fact is, uh, it, it is a much safer and better environment. But our, our community is uh, still a little wary of, uh, of, of uh, law enforcement and government institutions. Uh, so I would say that's the best, an- uh, you know, the best I can tell you as to why I think it is. Wh- what's fascinating is my dad, he's a physics professor, now retired. That's about as logical as anybody gets, yes. right? Uh, it took him about 30 years to start trusting law enforcement because of his experience uh, coming from the old country. So I think that's a, a big part of it is uh, trust in, in, terms of law enforcement. Now, what's interesting is if you look at that hate free Colorado survey, uh, we're a member of that coalition. Uh, and what I noticed in that is that, uh, it seems to be a bigger, uh, issue in terms of many communities of color. It's not just the, the Sikh community. Uh, that is a theme that keeps coming up and again and again, it is trust
0: yeah and i i think that's a question so you see so many in your community who may feel that distrust towards police how do you as a leader in your community say you know what we need to trust the law enforcement and we need to report these crimes oh uh, absolutely so one of the things that
3: we do and and we're doing one this coming weekend is we have uh uh, partnered up uh, with law enforcement uh community relations over at department of justice doj itself and local pd in order to have a bias motivated uh, uh, crimes forum in order to educate our community so that they are more they understand how things work within the systems themselves and then are able to engage and if nothing else uh, I, I'm not trying to change minds, let me put it that way mm-hmm. I, I'm saying let's get educated as a community. Uh, Educate other communities as well so that we are able to address issues uh, in our democracy
1: And I will say as a member of the black community you're You're correct when you say a lot of communities of color have this issue with trusting police officers Because of the history that's there before we go. We just have a a few seconds left here Have you been the victim of a hate crime a
3: long time ago, but uh, like I said a a friend of mine just recently here just in August uh, went through a little bit of a challenge, and uh, we are working our way through that. Uh, so personally, uh, I, when I was growing up in Canada, I had uh, an incident. So I'm quite empathetic to how people see the world.
0: That's Dilpreet Jammu of the Colorado Sick Organization. Coming up, we'll welcome our guest back for some final thoughts on today's topic of hate crimes across Colorado. Stay with us. This is Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News.
1: Welcome back to Real Talk. I'm Denver 7's Micah Smith.
0: And I'm Colorado Public Radio's Nathan Heffel. This week, we're talking about Colorado's recent rise in hate crimes, as well as the kind of support that's needed and still available.
1: Yeah, for one, the University of Denver's Mental Health and Psychosocial Support Network says individuals who are the victims of hate crimes may need mental health or psychological support. And DU also has a community clinic that offers services to individuals and groups affected by trauma and adversity including hate crimes. So for assistance, you can call 303-871-3736.
0: So for more on the impacts of hate crimes, let's welcome back our two guests. Scott Levin is with the Anti-Defamation League Mountain States region, and Dilpreet Jammu is with the Colorado Six organization. Welcome back to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Your groups both partner with an organization uh, called Hate Free Colorado. Can you tell us a little bit about that organization, Sure. Hate Free Colorado is a group of
2: 18 separate organizations that are primarily those that you would imagine are targeted for hate crimes that are going on out there. And we're very fortunate to also have a dozen law enforcement partners that join with us. We get together on a monthly basis and we provide support to one another when issues do come up.
1: You talked about your law enforcement partners. What can law enforcement agencies do to be better equipped to address hate crimes, try to investigate these crimes, and help victims come forward?
3: You know, I I think a lot of that has to do with training uh, and uh, education and uh, getting resources in place, because this is an area where law enforcement is front line in many of these situations with all sorts of communities, communities of color, gender identity, and so on. So I think it's critical to have training uh, and, and in, in the ability to be able to recognize a hate crime or a situation that requires a, a,
0: a little softer touch in terms of dealing with human issues. Yeah. Scott, I, I want to raise this question about, you know, if someone is a victim of a hate crime, the fear, the stigma, the embarrassment possibly they feel. The fact they're like, I don't really know what I'm going to do. And then they realize I have to prove this. I have to prove that that somebody did this to me because of of my race or ethnicity, etc. That is a a steep hill to climb when you're just trying to get back to normal. That's exactly right. I think we have to recognize it's not just the individual, but it's also the
2: community. Because the nature of hate crimes are that while it might be against an individual that you see it, it's a message that's being sent to them that says, I don't like. Not just you, but anybody that prays like you, anybody that loves like you, anybody that looks like you. So it's a, it's a message crime that goes to a wide range of people that are impacted. And I think it's up to us as Coloradans to be able to stand up for one another in that time, to be allies, because it is very difficult. And as Dilpreet was saying, we also work with law enforcement because we want to make sure that they have that sensitivity. So part of
3: is education in and of itself that we have to do not just with law enforcement, but also the communities. If I may just dovetail what's fascinating is I use the word insidious to describe a hate crime. And I'm gonna use a very simple example. If somebody pulls a knife and says, hey, give me your wallet, I can make all sorts of justifications in, terms of in, in, in my mental frame. Individuals poor, maybe a young punk trying to show that they're tough and prove something. With a hate crime, the challenge is that it goes much deeper It's a part of our identity, part of our faith, it's a part of our religion and and, or all the other aspects. And that's really tough because that is going to the core of who we are and what we are. So I I like to say that that type of a crime is just insidious and it it has far reaching impact. I mean, in terms of this recent incident, uh, it has a impact all the way to how the economics of Colorado work. My friend who was just recently attacked uh, and we're going through this, They, him and his family used to go downtown Denver six to seven times a month to have dinner. And now because of this incident, all that economic activity has ceased. And I hate to put it like, you know, cold, hard numbers, uh, but it doesn't take long before you realize. And I think all of us has been through there. We go to an establishment and if the owner or the staff treats us poorly, we don't go back. Mm. But the fact is in a hate crime, you don't go back to the entire area. So it's not just that one business that suffers. It's everything around it. So that's why I say it's insidious. Yeah,
1: Dilprede, I want to talk a little bit more about this, because as I was studying for today's episode, I noticed that the bar for a hate crime, it felt a little high, in my opinion, because we're, we're counting on the perpetrator to use hateful language specifically or explain that their motivation is because of someone's background. What do you think about the elements that constitute a hate crime in law enforcement's eyes?
3: You know, I, um, I'm i not an expert on how those things wound up, but I do concur a little bit that, that if the bar is set too high, uh, and it, it comes in very difficult. You know, I, I don't want a society where everybody's walking around taping everything to be able to say, you know, uh, Nathan, you did X, Y, Z, and oh, by the way, now that you've ticked off these boxes and all this you are now in the category of a hate crime. Mm -hmm. And the way I like to put it, not every uh, individual who commits a hate crime writes a manifesto to say, oh, I hate all these people. Some of these folks just randomly are out uh, uh, doing stuff. So I I share that concern with you. On the same side, we are a democracy and we are a rule of law Mm -hmm. and we have to make sure. So I think there's a balance there and eventually we will get there.
1: An important balance.
0: Scott,
3: on the... Colorado legislature helped us out
2: here a little bit because they do now allow mixed intent. So it doesn't have to be the sole reason for doing it, although it it has to be a, a primary one. So that's really good. But the other thing is whether it actually gets to the legal standard of being a hate crime or not, it's important to let law enforcement know. They need to know what is happening in the culture and in the area that's around there, because some of the little things that people say and do that might not be a criminal act, they can get built on. It's rare that it, something just starts at, at full throttle as an assault on somebody. It usually builds to that kind of thing. So when there's vandalism that occurs in a neighborhood, when there's some graffiti that occurs that you might not know what it is or what it means, or we'll see um, somebody will put stickers on some of the light poles down and parking meters downtown that have anti-Semitic kind of looking pictures that are on it. Is that a hate crime? Is it not? Maybe. But law enforcement needs to know because they need to know to keep an eye
0: on that area and to see what's happening. Yeah, Recovering from a hate crime can be a complex and, and difficult process. That's really different with each victim. What's something you'd like others to know uh, about how to process that, that fear, that, that, that stigma, et cetera? I, I think the,
3: the best thing is to uh, have compassion and empathy for your fellow human being. And that's where everything starts. As you mentioned, we all process all of this. And but the other part of this is to provide the resources to point the individual. That's what we hope to do in any one, every one of our cases, is here are the resources that are available, because it's not something you get through by yourself. It's really, uh, it involves community, right? So in the same way, uh, it's insidious in terms of its nature. Uh, the solution for it is actually working together as a community help each other to to get through that so it plays out in in many different ways and and each person is unique everybody takes their own time Mm. but eventually you know with grace they are able to get through that
2: i think that especially because a hate crime is a message crime that's being sent to people there's a vulnerability about that Mm. because the message that's really being sent is you're not welcome here you're not in this community you're not valued the same way as someone else might be that's here so that's very hard to overcome, and the best way to overcome, again, is, is for the countervailing message to be sent, which is, we do appreciate you no matter what you look like, no matter who you
0: love, no matter who you pray to. and. Those are important, I think, values that we have in the state. Scott Levin is with the Anti-Defamation League Mountain States Region, and Dilpreet Jammu is with the Colorado Sikh Organization. And that's this week's episode of Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. Every week, we'll be having a Real Talk on issues that impact Coloradans who are often overlooked. You can find all of our shows on denver7.com slash realtalk or at cpr.org slash realtalk. Have a great day.